Welcome to the Blue Cord Podcast. This is a place where everyday Christian women like you get inspired to be authentic witnesses in your daily life so that people who don't know Jesus come to know Him and make Him known. Hey there, my Blue Cord friend. What thought or feeling comes to your mind when I say this word? Evangelism. Did something positive or negative pop into your mind? When I was writing the Blue Cord book, Most of the women in my focus groups had negative thoughts, like it meant feeling pressure, saying the right word in the right way, or having to memorize some complicated method or script, or just randomly pushing your agenda onto other people without even listening. They all thought of bad evangelism first. Can you relate? No one wants to be that woman who pushes her faith on other people. And here's the thing. In an effort to avoid bad evangelism, we often revert to the other extreme and hold back from sharing our faith at all. I know I did that. Today, we're going to debunk this idea that telling others about Jesus means we have to push our agenda onto other people, or that we have to be in a relationship with someone for a long time before we earn the right to share Jesus. And I've invited my friend Amy to join me in this conversation. So first, let me tell you a little bit about Amy. She's a working mom of two energetic boys. She teaches at a private high school and is working on her doctorate. And she rarely has a moment to herself. And still, she tithes her time when she can to befriend many refugees from many nations. Amy, thanks for joining me. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, Amy, I'm thrilled to have you. So Amy was part of the original Blue Cord leadership team that really helped launch this movement a year ago. And I don't know about you, but I had a million reasons why I couldn't tell others about Jesus. I'd love to know what held you back from sharing your faith. It was a couple reasons. I think growing up as a child in a very strict household, we were told, hang out with people that are going to build your faith. And don't avoid the other, but don't build super close relationships with them because you may be swayed away. But it wasn't until I was in my adulthood when I realized, wait a minute, (laughs) that's not what Jesus did. And I had that going on in my head, going into adulthood and making friends with other people. And a lot of times things that we learn in childhood, we don't realize are things that may or may not be right. And another thing is I got to the point where I wasn't sure if I even liked me. So if I'm going to share my personal faith with someone, I might offend them and they might not like me. Mm. And it sounds so silly, but that's honest. And I was just so caught up in not wanting to offend other people rather than sharing the true hope of the gospel and caring about the soul of the hearer rather than does this person like me or not. So those are the things that I struggled with going into my adulthood. Yeah, you bring up a really interesting point. And I think that this is a norm. When we ourselves don't have a strong faith and it's not deeply rooted in the word or that it's really vibrant within us, then it's a struggle to share our faith with someone else when we don't feel good about ourselves and our own faith. And then building on that, I know that I've spoken with many moms too who have kids that have grown up who've walked away from the faith. And so they also feel like, I surely can't share my faith because I did that with my kids and they didn't come to Jesus either. So I think what I'm learning is that we all did the best that we can with what we Mm -hmm. know. And so we drop hints about our faith and we hope others will ask us about Jesus. And when we do that, we build relationships on everything but Jesus. And so Mm -hmm. 
I think it's a good reminder that hope is not a strategy. So today we're going to talk about three ground rules that I think really free us to live as authentic Christian witnesses around our daily lives. And Amy, I'd love for you to unpack these with me. So the first ground rule is you can't draw other people to Jesus. Jesus tells us in John 6, 65, that no one can come to him unless it's granted to her or him by the Father. I mean, what's been your experience with this? You're right. No one does come to the Father except through Jesus. And he is the only way and he's the only truth in the life. But I think sometimes for myself, I got so caught up in desperately trying to bring people to Jesus. And I would tell them the things and I would tell them the truth and I would show them who Jesus is and they would still walk away. And it was so defeating because it was like, wait, what did I do wrong? Yeah. Like I went from like, just hinting, like you said, oh yeah, I go to church or yeah, I go to Bible study to let me share the gospel with you. And I still got the reaction I was afraid of. They were going to walk away. And it's interesting because being in outreach ministry here in my city, I have learned through trial and error that you can have the most perfect theology. You could have the flawless presentation of the gospel. It could go perfect. And they could still walk away because it had nothing to do with me. It's all of the Holy Spirit. That's it. Yeah. I think oftentimes we operate in our own human inclination that if... I do X, whatever X is, say, share the gospel in these perfect words, or I share my testimony in this wonderful way, or if I'm prepared for every objection that might be thrown my way, and I do that over X period of time, then that person is likely to come to Christ. And what's interesting, when we're operating in that way, where's our focus? It's on me. And that's not a God-focused approach. And so with that in mind, I'd love to hear just a story how you When you hit those walls, Amy, how did you begin to make a shift? I think in my personal life outside of ministry, I am someone who tends to have plans and contingency plans for the contingency plans. I'm like (laughs) the planner, right? Yeah. And it's great. But because of that, I rely on my own thoughts, understanding and strength so much more than I would like to admit. And just being a working single mom and an overachiever, it's so easy to get caught up in the idea that I have to be in control of everything or it's all going to fall apart. Yeah. And there are places in my life where I don't have answers and I don't have plans and it really frustrates me. But I have to remember and I have to go back to what God's word said is that he does have the answers Mm -hmm. and it is in his timing that these answers come. And so I struggle sometimes to let go and let God do the things that he has planned. And I think being in ministry helped me a lot to see this because there are times where I have had to rely on the Holy Spirit 100% because I didn't know what I was doing. Like, I didn't have a plan for this conversation. God, this woman that I'm ministering to brought this up or the Holy Spirit has imparted this wisdom for this woman and this discernment, and I don't know what to do with it. And I don't have a plan for that conversation, but you do. And you put me here in this place for this time with this person. There are things that in a million years I could have never orchestrated into perfect existence, but God did. And it's incredible. So this first ground rule is that you don't draw other people to Jesus because that happens by the Father. And the second ground rule, you just brought it up. We can't rely on our own understanding. 
So sometimes we fall into this trap of thinking that it is all on our shoulders to bring someone to Christ. And what an incredible burden that we place on ourselves. And yet the flip side of that natural human inclination is to be God-dependent and seeking Him and listening to, to Him and the prompting and the nudging of the Holy Spirit and praying about that. So I'm just wondering, as you began to learn this particular ground rule, do you have a story about how you began to listen and seek the Lord when you did not have your own answers? There were some moments in my life where the Holy Spirit would prompt something and I would think, wait, that sounds crazy. If I don't have a plan for that, like, how could I even execute that? That doesn't make sense. And I think it takes little moments where obedience happens, where you start to realize, wait, Like God actually does have a big plan. God actually does have a bigger story. Like for example, I've had some relationships with some friends that I thought, okay, I've been trying really hard to get in with them. Like you said, like we feel like we have to know them for a long time before we can share our faith with them. And I think with that mentality with these friends of mine, I thought, okay, I guess I have to build all these relationships and do all these things. And I had a plan. I was doing this on my own. I was thinking, I have to do it this way. And there were a couple of moments where the Holy Spirit would say, hey, you need to say something today. And in confession, there were times that I just was like, nah. I'm not going to plan for that. I didn't study enough to be able to have this conversation with this person. And I think in those moments where I was obedient, God was able to do significantly more than I could have ever planned to do for myself. Mm. And I think we lose sight of that sometimes. When the Holy Spirit gives us a task and nudges us in a direction, for me, I just say, okay, I got the directive, now go. And that's not how it is. God's like, here's a directive, and this is the way I want you to walk in it. And we forget to listen beyond go. (laughs) For me, I hear go and I'm like, yes, go. And I will go, but I don't stick around for the rest. Yeah, And I think it's just been a growing experience for me as a believer and as an evangelist. When God says to do something, he doesn't just leave us to just do it on our own. He wants us to depend on him. He wants us to lean on his understanding and his wisdom and on his words and allowing the Holy Spirit to work through us. The Holy Spirit's job is, yes, to give us nudgings and to tell us and to show us, but he's actually equipping us if we stick around long enough to not run away with our own ideas of how to do it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. The things that you're saying are so resonating with me because I think you defined this Holy Spirit moment, and I like to call that a crucial moment. So while mm-hmm. you said, I can't plan for everything, we can plan in this way. When we feel that nudge from the Holy Spirit, we can realize that's a crucial moment. I have a choice in every situation. I can choose to ignore that nudge of the Holy Spirit, or I can choose to be obedient and God-dependent in the moment. Mm -hmm. So that is a choice that we can make. The outcome is uncertain and an outcome that we cannot control. That was where we have to, to your point, just really be God-dependent as he walks us through that. And I find myself that to share my faith is to grow my faith. That was one of the most powerful tools that the Lord used to grow my own personal faith was to take me on this journey to share my faith because it did force me to become more aware and more God-dependent through that process. So Mm -hmm. I could so resonate to what you're sharing. Let's take a quick break for me to share some big news. If you've been loving this Blue Cord podcast, then I think you're going to love our Blue Cord Women's Conference coming on September 29th and 30th in Dallas, Texas in 2023. 
Now that's the last weekend in September, so mark your calendar now so that you can make plans to join us and maybe even come with a carload of friends. More details will be coming soon, and we're going to be needing volunteers to help with that. So if that's something you'd be interested in, just drop me an email to Karen, K-A-R-E-N, at ihopeministries.org. Thanks so much. Now back to the program. So we talked about two of these ground rules. First is we can't draw other people to Jesus. The second ground rule is we can't rely on our own understanding. And so one more little tidbit to unpack here. Amy, as we think about this notion that we have to build a relationship and earn the right to share our faith, I want to unpack that one a little bit more with you. I know that as my husband, Ernaud, and I have been teaching many workshops with many churches recently, this one always comes up, especially with my friends who perhaps work deeply with refugees or international students or perhaps teaching ESL, whatever that is, there's this feeling, and this is our felt human need, that we have to hide our faith, actually, or maybe hint and hope and drop these hints, but we have to earn the right after some extended period of time before we actually identify ourselves with Jesus and perhaps initiate prayer in Jesus's name or actually share the gospel. And it's been my experience with many friends who come from Muslim and Buddhist and Hindu backgrounds who have shared with me, Karen, Christians don't really know what they believe, or maybe they don't really believe in their faith, because if they did, they would have mentioned this very quickly in our relationship. It's like they're hiding something that's important to them, and if it was important to them, they would have shared it with me off the get-go. Amy, what's been your experience with that? When I first started working with refugees about five years ago, I had no expectations, really. I don't think I thought I was going to go in there and I was about to share the gospel with everybody. Like, yeah. I wanted to, but I remember at the very beginning, because you have to remember, I grew up in a small town. We were all a very homogeneous group. Uh, that was us. When God prompted me to say, do you love everyone or is it just the people that look like you and act like you? And in that moment of conviction, I started hanging out with other people and doing some refugee work and things. And so I had no expectations really of what I'm supposed to be even doing. And I started noticing that all of my Muslim friends were very open about their faith. They were blatant. The first time I met them, they'll quote Quran or they'll speak about Allah, all of these things. And I'm watching them and realizing, wait a minute, why am I not talking about God and Christ like that? Why am I not quoting scripture? Like my Muslim friends, they're doing it all the time. And even for five years, relationships that I have had, they tend to work God and the Quran and their belief systems almost into every interaction I have with them. Mm. It is, it, it seems so effortless for them because it is so ingrained and part of who they are. Yeah. And just like you said, when your friends had commented on if it was that important, why didn't you share? It triggered a memory of mine when I was talking to one of the refugee families that I have. And we had probably four or five interactions just taking care of needs because we've got these personal needs. But we now we're sitting around drinking tea and hanging out. And there were a couple moments where I would get a prompting of the Holy Spirit. Hey, you should say something right now about whatever. And I didn't because mm. exactly what you said, I was just afraid and I didn't know what to do. And there are some moments after that where not only did I have to confess that, yes, I didn't listen to you, God, but 
next time, prompt me again. I want to be bold. I want to have courage. I want to do this. It started with they would say something about their faith and I would say, hey, can I share something about mine? Started off with a personal sharing of my faith, not a gospel conversation, not a Romans Road sentence structure. It was, this is what I believe. It started there because my friends will talk to me about their faith and about their book and about their prophet and about all of that stuff. And, and I wasn't doing that about mine and the truth in mine. And so I just started there. I started saying, you know what? I think that's really interesting that you believe that in your book says this. Can I share with you something that I believe and what my book says? Mm-hmm. And it opened up doors to more fruitful conversations later. I didn't know these families. We weren't like super, super close, but it just was a way to start sharing my faith. It started with sharing what I have because I can't share what I don't have. Right. And so sharing what I have. And God has opened doors more and more with these families to share more. There's one example. One of my family's children had gotten married and we were watching the video of the marriage. And there were things that were happening in the marriage that were like ding, ding in my head. God is like blowing my brain up with like, when this is over, you can talk about this. When this is over, you can talk about this. There were some things in their wedding Mm -hmm. traditions that reminded me of Jesus' return. Uh huh. <laughs> and the triumph returning of Christ, and then the women who were waiting for, and how the church is waiting for Christ to come back, uh-huh. and watching this wedding. And then when the wedding was over, and I was like, hey, this was the most incredible thing I've ever seen. But can I tell you something very cool? And so I got to share a little bit of, of what I believed and what the Bible says and what's true about Christ's return and the waiting of the church and all of these wonderful traditions that they've been doing for like <laughs> forever. Yeah. It was a door, right? I wasn't trying to share the gospel. I wasn't going in there. I'm going to save everyone in this room. It wasn't that. It was like, let me share with you something that is beyond what you just showed me. Because what you showed me was amazing, but let me show you something else. And I think that was one example of how I was sharing my faith, but in a really casual loving way with a family that I am not super close with. Wonderful. What you did as I was listening to you is you were engaging with someone who is a person of peace because they gave you clues that God might be wooing them to himself. Mm -hmm. And so in that process, you are loving them and you are also sharing scripture and pointing them to the Bible. And also in that process, you were sharing a bit of the gospel as well because it was natural. It was natural mm-hmm. for you to talk about it in that moment. And also, they gave you clues that they were persons of peace. To, they're open to hearing about it. Okay, so that brings us to the last ground rule, and that is to manage your performance expectations. Because none of us wants to mess up sharing Jesus. And have you, Amy, ever wrestled with wanting results or performing well? Oh, goodness. (laughs) Yes. As I shared earlier, I sometimes get in this thought process or mental loop of everything's up to me. And if it doesn't work, I must have failed. And even in ministry, like I've seen this too, because I've been working with refugees and working in ministry, predominantly with Muslims for the last five years, I'll have well-meaning, loving, Bible-believing Christians asking me, how many people have you brought to the Lord? And it's not a bad question, but sometimes it reminds me as my overachiever of, I don't have a big number to tell them. And I get so caught up in that. Or someone will say, oh, so it worked this way. So what did you do? Give me the method. Give me the one, two, three of how to do this. And 
I've also realized that the one, two, three may work with this person, but it will not work with anyone else because that wasn't the conversation. That wasn't the leading of the Holy Spirit in other conversations. It was that one conversation God gave me the wisdom to say and the things that I needed to say and have the discernment in that conversation. And it may not be repeatable. And so I have to be careful with I'm doing all these things and I'm sowing all these seeds. But what if I'm not reaping the harvest? What if not seeing families and their extended family and their families and families coming to the Lord? How do I handle those situations, Mm -hmm. like those personal feelings of failure? And I think when you said we have to manage our performance expectations, we have to think, okay, it's not me. If I take that question of how many people have you brought to the Lord and I start feeling guilt about that, then I believe that it's all in me. And it's going back to what we first talked about. If I feel bad that I can't say no 100%, if I can't say that and I'm feeling bad about it, then it's because I'm trying to rely on my own ideas and my own thoughts and my own ways of doing things. Because like we said again, like the Holy Spirit is the one who opens in the eyes of a believer and he's doing his job. Like he gives courage and boldness to the believer, but he also works on the eyes and the ears of the hearer. And if we think that we have to do both parts, then we're taking the reins out of God's hands and saying, I got this. Yeah. And that's not how he has planned to use us. It's really interesting to think that sharing our faith is not just this is what I believe in. You should believe too. We have a role of pointing out that God wants to reconcile all mankind, all of us, back to himself. And this is how he did it, through Jesus Christ. And I think if we can look at these unbelievers that we are friends with and we've built relationships with and know that in every conversation, God is right there. And in every conversation, the Holy Spirit is right there. And in every conversation, He is working and he is doing his job. And then our goal is to reconcile this hearer's heart and soul back to the creator, the one that made them. Mm -hmm. We can look at these friends of ours like that in that light. It moves me to love them more. It moves me to show peace and love and kindness to them more because that's what God has shown me. Yeah, God has shown me those things. He's given me his peace and he's given me his compassion to me. And so I, in turn, and all of us, we can give that to those that desperately need it. And I think that is where the switch between it has to be all me versus God's moving and I'm a part of what he's doing rather than it all being on my shoulders. Absolutely. You brought up a couple of great points that I just want to unpack a little bit more. This past week, my husband and I had a beautiful conversation with a couple who are working as, I guess you would say, missionaries within an apartment complex. And they were struggling because they were comparing their efforts to efforts that are happening overseas. So they were saying, in such and such a country, these people there are doing X, Y, Z, and they're seeing a ton of people coming to Christ. And we're doing the exact same thing here. And yet Mm -hmm. we're not seeing that kind of fruit. And so we reminded them that in that nation, the people there are on the edge of desperation. There is nothing. And so a choice for Christ is spectacular. What else can you take from me? Take everything. But now I have Christ. What have I got to lose? And Mm -hmm. here where we live in North America, 
there is this overwhelming sense of stability and abundance, and there's not that same kind of life or death desperation. And so there are certainly things that are outside of our control. The one thing we can control is when we are operating as an authentic Christian witness around our daily life, practicing those five essentials, loving everyone in words, actions, and deeds, looking for persons of peace God might be wooing to himself, initiating prayer for those around us in Jesus' name to lift up Jesus, looking for opportunities to plant those gospel seeds with scripture instead of talking about the Bible, giving people scripture because it's living, holy, and active, and giving people that Bible to read for themselves, and then also sharing the gospel as it makes sense around all of those other things. Mm -hmm. In the context of a deep relationship as an authentic witness operating over time. And so I love this. We all need to make sure that we're doing the right activities, those kinds of things that are very God-dependent activities. It's our obedient Christian walk. Those are the kinds of activities that we want to be doing. And then just looking to our Heavenly Father for bringing that to fruit. So Amy, any last words about evangelism or this topic that we've been talking about in these three ground rules? I think there's one piece of this that is so incredible to talk about. There is so much joy in stepping out in your faith because, like you said, sharing your faith is building your faith. There are moments where I've stepped out in faith and it may or may not have gone the way that I thought it was going to go. But when I got in the car and I closed the door and I sat there and took a breath and I said, okay, God, wow, there is so much joy, even if everything went wrong and no one come to faith in Christ that day. I can still sit in my car and breathe and think, okay, even if you still chose me to be here, there is so much joy for someone like me to be chosen that God has put me in this place and he has made me this vessel of his love and as an ambassador of peace and reconciliation for others. And just stepping out in faith is literally following the footsteps of the one who taught us how to do it. Jesus did this. And there's so much joy, if you think about it, that we are given the opportunity to live our life with God, not just now, but forever. Mm. And we get to do God's work. He doesn't just sit around and move the pawns around the chessboard. He is wanting to involve us in it. And there's just so much joy. I'm not even kidding. Things could go really bad. But I would think, you know what? I don't want to be anywhere else. I feel so emboldened. This might not have worked, but it was amazing. If I want any of my blue card friends to get something, is that sharing your faith is not on you. And when you do, there is joy on the other side of that that you will experience. And I know a lot of us can attest to that, that you've stepped out in faith and it not only built your faith, but it increased your joy. It's unexplainable, but it just happens. And I think it's an amazing thing to be a part of God's story. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So good. Amy, thank you for joining me and just sharing your own walk and your own experience. I think you've challenged us all to consider, are we in this zone where we're maybe operating with comfort and we're wanting that security of operating in our own power? Or are we ready to step out and experience some discomfort of trying some things new and learning to be God-dependent so that we can grab hold of that joy and the joy 
of the Lord. And so, my blue cord friend, this is a great time to think for yourself, maybe perhaps how bad evangelism may have impacted your Christian witness. And what burdens might you have been placing on yourself around sharing your faith, whatever that is. And maybe it's expecting more fruit. You're doing all the things, you're doing all the activities, and you're being as effective as you possibly can, and yet you're not seeing that fruit yet. Or maybe you haven't yet stepped out because you're waiting until you earn the right to share your faith. Whatever that is, whatever burdens you might be placing on yourself, just evaluate those and think, isn't that interesting? This is the way I've been thinking. And what do you want your thoughts to be? Because your thoughts lead to your actions and your actions lead to fruit. So which one of those three ground rules that we covered most are about you? What do you think the Holy Spirit is prompting you to think about or do differently from So, my friend, I invite you to take your learning deeper on this topic by reading the book, The Blue Cord, or joining in a Blue Cord study group. You can lead one of those yourself. I'll put those links in the show notes. Amy, thank you again for joining me today. I can't wait for you, my Blue Cord friend, to hear next week's episode. Thanks for joining me. I'd love to know more about you and how this podcast is serving you. Make sure to sign up to get our weekly emails on the website at thebluecord.org. Then when you get an email from me, you can jot me back a note. If you're enjoying the Blue Cord podcast or the book, would you post an online review so that others know what to expect? That would mean a lot. Thanks so much. Have a great week.